0: And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Well, today, I scored on the ultimate guest list. I am telling you, wait till you meet this author. She is by far one of the most respected authors I've ever had on this show. In fact, she might even be up there with Marianne Curley. Gotta wait and see who it is, because it's going to be a lot of fun. But first, as you know, we're going to have our weekly advert with Marianne Curley's The Shadow, Time Guardian, Book 4. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends and the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Lathina's death, Giselle swears revenge and fullify the Immortals' plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love. And that leaves her with an unbearable choice, should she follow her heart, on the strings of a goddess short on praise, but high on expectation. Who continues to pull her from the grave? As the Guard and the Order battle through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadows? Now, after that riveting uh, blurb, let's welcome the gorgeous, the amazingly talented, and gosh, I wish she was my boss friend, Lisa Childs. Thank
1: you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I mean, I, I was blown away when I did my research for you. Eighty. Five novels published. Yeah, wow.
1: Yeah, I think I'm coming up on um, the ones that are coming out um, in June. Along with, I'll be up to eighty-seven published, and then I just signed a contract wow. that will bring me to over a hundred with Harlequin alone. So
0: that's I got a amazing. Books to write. <laughs> I, 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 it's a crazy because I'm just about to actually submit my first ever. Harlequin, novel, And I am scared to death because I am dyslexic. um, And I'm pretty sure that's going to come through uh, in my submission, even though I've edited it like a billion times. And my editor, Stephanie, must be pulling her hair out because I think she's kind of, she's like, get on with this cowboy story, girl. (laughs) So, yeah. No, I mean, I just, I love Harlequin. And it's so funny because one of the books I used to steal as a kid was mills and boone which is the british version yeah and of course it was always the modern version my mother had stuck in her drawer and i used to sneak them out and i would uh, i would read them and then she'd find me shout at me and take them back but no like i loved those i always thought they were so well and i actually uh made a couple of friends who are editors in uh mills and boone and i feel so honored that they're my friends but your stuff like, Exceptional! I'm excited to read this twin story you've got here. Oh, the 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 Writers uh,
1: twin surprise. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice. the
0: one. It <laughs> looks fantastic. I love the ones with babies in it. I don't know why. It seems to be my Achilles heel that if there's like a baby surprise, I think I read the one where the girl has quads because she had like IVF, and it was all like, oh. Mm-hmm. That one was amazing, and I I totally kind of felt for her because I'm like, girl, you got quads. That's got to be, like, the roughest schedule going. Could you imagine doing that as a single mother? Like, holy crap. (laughs) Totally totally admire her. But that's what I love about Halloween is they really do push the boundaries on what what you would think is, like, a, a romantic story. And that's that's what I adore about them. And then I watched your trailer. Oh, <laughs> your trailer blew my mind. Baden <laughs> Island is now on my TBR for sure. I love oh, to look at that. Like yeah, Kensington yeah. did that trailer, and it's just oh, I love it so much. <laughs> it's like I, Kensington is a favorite publisher of mine. I wish, I so wish I could have a chance to get in with them. Um, but yeah, they they put out some of the top. I would say, top published novels. I yeah, mean, I, I would see. say that they're challenging some of the bigger publishers now, like Simon and & Schuster. And I, I think they're right up there with, like, I would say Penguin and Random House now because they're really pushing that boundaries. And I think they're more than just an umbrella company now. I don't know if you agree. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, I just, I was... uh so fortunate to get included in an anthology with Lisa Jackson and Alexandra Ivy, and it made the New York Times bestseller list number five. It was just, wow. it, and you know, they just do so much
0: promotion for us. Um, it's just, it's they're they're a wonderful publisher, and that's the thing nowadays. It really is about the quality of your marketing program mm-hmm. for books, because. The the i would say the field is so saturated with so many different kinds of books if you're on amazon you totally get lost yeah because there's like mm-hmm. in you know there's self-published and then there's indie publishers and then mainstream publishers it's kind of hard to break through that noise so yeah. yeah i mean i i just love them and, and funnily enough it's one of the companies i want to work with because i just started working with a publicity company so i'm like I'm get, I'm kind of getting in with some of the publishers because some of them have sent people my way. But I would love to just be able to give the publishers another kind of route to kind of get those voices out there because I actually take on a lot of um, authors that have never had that opportunity to push because there's so many that if it's a really good indie book, I will go out of my way to kind of have them on the show and talk about it, push it. Because... That's kind of how we find the next voices. Yeah. And
1: look at uh, you know, Fifty
0: Shades of Grey. I mean, that was,
1: you know, a lot of uh, just her own pushing and word of mouth. And, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. She broke, it, the,
0: she broke the market with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, i the, the normal everyday person, not the like the really intense romance reader, had no clue what erotica was. <laughs> and essentially she blew open the door for everybody mm-hmm. because... Yep. Now everybody's like, "Oh, there's an erotica world. What what is this?" (laughs) And I mean, I I I adore Shirley Cannon, who's actually coming on our show soon. She does that so well. Mm -hmm. You know, hers. There's a lot of people that can do these erotic scenes, and they just don't come off very well. Yeah, it just comes off as very kind of brutish, and I always say, like, a bit overbearing but there's some people that can actually write a smooth scene that just fits perfectly. But yeah. it means that that doesn't dominate the story. Like, you could take those scenes out, and the story would s- still make sense. At least that's what my mentors always taught me about writing a rock of a cut. like, Crystal, we well, need to imagine that you've taken all these hot scenes out, and does your-, your story still make sense? And I'm like, gosh, that's a different way of looking at it. mm mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a good lesson. Though. <laughs> so no, I am I am super excited, and I love. I do love a good romantic suspense. So I cannot wait for Hot Shot Hero Under Fire. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that. Would you like to tell us coming? a little bit about that?
1: Um, I started that series in Harlequin Blaze. They're hot shot firefighters. You know the ones that go mm-hmm. out to the wild, wildfires and. Um, that was just, you know, Blaze is more romance, but I, I always always kind of sneak in a little bit of mystery, and I had this, uh, yeah. the group was getting sabotaged, things were happening, and uh, when that series, when Blaze closed that line, I wanted to continue the series and have a great editor who was like, let's let's bring it over to Harlequin Romantic Suspense, and so now I get to expand on the, the mysteries and it's just a, it's a fun line. It's an, uh, it's a fun story because it's one of those, um, you know, enemies to, to lovers. lovers kind of and it, so yeah. it just has that passion and, you know, you, you don't know who to trust and it's just, it's, it's a hopefully very exciting read, uh, fast paced and, but still with a lot of uh, camaraderie with the firefighters and um, the hair. I do love fort, a good firefighter yeah. book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No.
0: And I think you do them so well because I've had the pleasures of reading snippets and samples of your work, and I I adore it. So you probably know M- Emily Rodmill, right? That's um, over there with suspense?
1: Emily She's- and.
0: She's in um, Harlequin, sort of suspense, but she also does Harlequin love inspired suspense. So, a lot mm-hmm. of hers is like the dogs, and she's a big oh, okay. one for the dogs. Yeah, I love I her. I don't personally
1: know her, but yeah, I've been writing some of the Love and Suck inspired, um, the special releases, the Cold Cases, and they're starting yeah. the Protector series that I have a book in there too. And yeah, those are a, they're a lot of fun to write too.
0: I just think she's because she has a page and she works so closely with writers that are wanting to get into the publishers. She just offers such great advice and she's totally going to be embarrassed that I've included her in this podcast. But she, I mean, she's been such an encouragement for me and I think so many others because a lot of us are really nervous about submitting to Harlequin. I think there's this kind of order around Harlequin that got to be like the best writer in the world to get in and i think a lot of us are like oh, nerves 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 and i certainly have that because uh recently myself i got invited by nikki claus and another beautiful editor over at uh, harper collins and i was at harlequin i should say and i was just like I still haven't written the synopsis. I I think I'm stalling because I have nerves, but you have definitely been in a good encouragement to get myself out there and to, to continue on the fight to get there. Um, They have the warmest, most welcoming
1: editors in, and you never need to be afraid of submitting to them. You know, everybody's so nice, Um, you know, and they, and they will, they will give you such good advice. You know, they'll work with you and, And, you know, I've talked to being over 20 years in this business now. As of this month was 21 years ago that I sold my first book. I got the call and it was out 20 20 years ago. My first book was out this month. And, uh, you know, I went to the conferences and I met them and um, met other writers trying to break in. And, you know, the amount of feedback the editors will give you to work on your story and make sure you get, you know, get it to where they can publish it. They they wanna publish you. So they will work so hard with you to get the story. And it's just you yeah. know the the authors I know who haven't published are the ones who weren't willing to make the changes or couldn't figure it out and were, were or they just you know they took so long to get them back and um, Yeah. You know, that's the thing, you, you gotta you gotta follow through and just
0: you know I'm sort of learning. Their of. Yeah. I'm learning their group because they're. I always have a problem where as I write and my very own particular voice, so for me, I had to kind of learn their voice and what they expect in the way of writing. So that was where I kind of was like falling flat because I couldn't really understand what I was doing wrong. For instance, I was doing a medical one for them, and I was so focused on having this really interesting medical case that I was kind of almost forgetting about the love story But I also was very much a Grey's Anatomy fan, so there was a bit of Grey's in there with, like, you know, the younger doctor (laughs) filing for her teacher and them going, "Uh, Don't think we can pull this one off, Crystal. This one's, you know, the power difference here is the problem. And I just couldn't figure out how to rewrite that story. And then I was so lucky because Ride With Me came. And it's a cowboy series with disabled children in it, and friends, you know, enemies to friends story, Mm -hmm. but she also fosters kids, so like, you've got this really amazing sweetheart girl, and this guy where you're like, dude, get to the point, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he's like one of these really nervous guys, and I thought, this is such a different cowboy story, and so far, fingers crossed, they. They've asked me a couple of times on pitch mad to, to actually submit it. So okay. I'm just uh working out the courage, which is my uh my confidence level is usually what kills me. So oh, yeah. yeah,
1: you can be your own worst enemy when it comes to that. It's like you just have to, you know, trust that you know, they want they want to help you. So if they ask to see a story, you know, they're gonna give you good advice, they're gonna and, and the other, you know, the, the biggest advice or the advice I offer the most when people ask me how to get into Harlequin, you know, I've talked to people and they'll be like, uh, I'll ask, well, what line are you targeting? And they have no idea. And it's like, okay, you yeah. need to, to read the lines, you know, to know yep. where your story fits. And
0: and that's what I did because um, I'm a Diane Palmer fan. I love her work. <laughs> and. I asked her to be on the show, but she's unfortunately not well enough to, to take part, and I was so heartbroken for her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I read her novels, and I'm like, I can do this. Like, I, I, this is the line that I can do. I can do the heartwarming line because to me, it was more heartwarming hers yeah. stories than it was anything else. And I'm like, I'm going to target the heartwarming line, and I just got to <laughs> hope that I'm really good at it. And they don't tell me. By the way, you've written a different line, and you've. You know, you've you've submitted it to the wrong one. That that's <laughs> my worry, is that it ends up being wrong. Um, but no, like she totally got me into the way of writing. And I think because I have a lot of the old medical stories, you know, like the old yeah. rom- medical romance stories, that that's maybe where I'm going wrong. That I need to actually buy some of the newer ones oh, to get
1: my story out. Janice Lynn.
0: Janice Lynn is
1: a friend of mine. And she's actually a physician um, or a nurse practitioner. So, Oh, wow. But, yeah, she writes the most amazing medicals.
0: I will definitely check her out because... I was just buying, like, the old ones I could find on eBay because, like, I wasn't sure, like, who to to follow to get yeah. the, kind of the groove of it. And the ones that I did seem to pick kind of led me down the wrong way because <laughs> I was imitating a lot of their voice in my own work. And I think that's where I went wrong. So I'm, I'm learning as I'm going. But if I get one in the door, I will, I will be taking a childhood life dream. Because I always said that one day I would either write for EastEnders in Britain, which is the biggest soap opera, oh. or I would I would at least uh, write for Mills and Boone. Um, but I got one of my dreams because I'm now um, under the mentorship of Shona Land as part of the One in Four Writers Coalition Program for Disabled Writers. So I'm ticking one box. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope I do really well with him. Um because I hear he's one of the most amazing people in the business. So, <laughs> so I'm sort of one of these authors that just hasn't stuck to one thing. I'm like, I'm an author. I screenwrite. I just, and then, of course, I podcast. So it's like, I, I just haven't, haven't chosen a brand, I think, is the problem. Well, you know, that's kind of been my
1: issue, because I've written everything from women's fiction, when uh, Harlequin had their... Um, uh, next line, you know, with the older heroines, I've written that. I've written vampires. You know, I've written for most of the lines I think Harlequin has, although I couldn't get a medical <laughs> in either. So, you know, I
0: <laughs> don't feel like You and bad. me are on the same track with that one. So we're yeah. definitely, vain. I mean, I look at the medical line and I think, well, I've had arthritis since I was two and a half years old. So I know all the procedures for British hospitals, right? I don't obviously know the Americans. But um, I think because I've been in that and I was a trainee midwife, it's like I can finally have my dream as a midwife, yeah. but without killing my body. And I think that's kind of why I want to write a really awesome midwife story for Mills and Boone, And it's on my my writing list for this year. Um, and it's called um, Healing the Midwife's Broken Heart. Yeah, so I think that's a har- I think that's a very Harlequin title, which yeah, is, is some. I've gone wrong sometimes with the with the titles, <laughs> so I'm thinking that's no, a good one. And I, I kind of wanted to do like a, a series of of midwives that are kind of in this maternity ward, and all these new consultants come in, and then they end up falling for them. At least that you know, and um, and I have one that's about you know a single dad who who um, ends up falling in love with a midwife. Um, because it's the same ward that the mother of his child died in, and he ends up meeting this midwife who actually delivered his baby, and he knew nothing about her. Um, and they end up falling in love, and uh, she ends up telling him that she was midwife that uh, saved the baby but couldn't save her. So we'll see if that one works. But it's got a bit of tragedy to it, but I think it could work out. Yeah. Maybe. That great. Yeah, so. I loved maternity. Um, that was my favorite because you're bringing life into the world, mm-hmm. but there is that age of dead, deadly sort of sadness where, you know, things go wrong and stuff like yeah. that. So I always, yeah. I always think that's a really good one to see, uh, see out there. So yeah, my, my daughter is uh, my youngest
1: daughter is a doctor and, so wow. um, that was what I was wanting to do was, you know, do the medicals kind of based on, you know, like the Gray's Anatomy, that intern year and all that. And... Oh,
0: I love that show so much. I know, you like, do <laughs> Oh, I can't help myself. I actually started in the UK. There was, um we actually had Casualty, which was the first medical so proper. And it's still running, still <laughs> running. And you're talking like it must be 30 odd years old now, that show. And I loved it because you never knew what you were going to get every episode and it's like you follow nurses and you follow doctors and you follow trainee doctors and you follow some of the craziest patients you think really but they're really good at keeping like the procedure correct how any chess works it's all in there and i think i kind of think that's where the fire for doing a medical romance kind of came from was the good old-fashioned uh yeah, sad, sadly, sadly, sounding casualty from the UK. You can yeah. actually see old episodes of Casualty if you're in the US on on YouTube, oh, and also you can see Casualty through the American version of the BBC. I think it's called BBC America. Oh yeah, I love that. I I love my Midsummer
1: Murders. And I
0: oh. <laughs> so now you're talking my kidding. language, girl. Yeah, and you get. Yeah. I think you get EastEnders as well, don't you?
1: The BBC, or the um, you know, I do the British TV, but I think I do it through uh, Acorn. I think it's oh, all right, Acorn right? Yeah, you should
0: be able yep. to get Eastenders and and Casualty through that um, because I use it because I don't have a TV. My husband doesn't believe in televisions. I don't oh. get it. I don't get it. So oh. everything I watch is through the computer. So everyone thinks I'm constantly addicted to the computer, but I'm actually watching things like I'm. I have Amazon Prime and I have Netflix. So I'm always watching stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's kind of funny, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that inspires ideas too. You know, I love it watching. Like, I love like the midsummer atmosphere. That's what my Bane Island series kind of has. That you know, that creepy atmosphere and the supporting characters uh, that are eccentric, and I love that.
0: Well, you should check out the Shetland series. That's really good.
1: I. I think I have, I'll have to, I think
0: I, who's the the main actor on that one? Oh, gosh. I haven't seen it in so long. I came from there. That's how I know of the show. Um, Yeah. It's so funny because it's nothing like the island. (laughs) We we almost laugh because it's like, there's only one person on the island that actually acts in it. So it's (laughs) Inspector... Douglas Henshaw who's in okay. it. and then you've also got Detective Stephen Robertson and it's so funny because Stephen Robertson's actually the Shetlander who acts in it. Oh. Um, yeah, so no sorry his, his actual name is Sandy Wilson in the show, but it's it's Steve Robertson who, who's the actor. Um, but yeah, it's 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 honestly it's kind of funny because they've got a Glaswegian playing a Shetlander, and the accent could be di- more different. Um, yeah, so Shetlanders tend to giggle together about it, because we're like, this is nothing like our island. <laughs> this is like the imaginary multiverse of what Shetland would be like if murderers got on, onto the <laughs> island. So yeah, we, we, we laugh about that quite a lot. Um, but it has actually led me to, to writing um, a crime novel, which I've got support from from a 40 hours, the first 48 hours detective, who's just retired a few years ago. So I'm writing it, but I'm slightly nervous that it's maybe slightly ghoulish. And then I talked to a friend of mine called um, M.W. Craven, who's given me hope that there's a publisher out there that might take a slightly more kind of different approach to crime because like everyone i i know because i only know the romance market i don't know the crime market um so i'm trying to branch out a little bit because i don't want to do i don't want to do sports romance for the rest of my life because i did wrestling romance was my area and i really broke the barrier with that because wrestling romance wasn't a thing i think laurie foster did one book in that series um but me and Joe, we came out with a series that was completely based on wrestling and wrestling lifestyle because wrestling is such a myth um, in America. And it is here too, because we have actually a huge wrestling market in Britain. It's just not, people don't know how to market it and they don't know how to pinpoint that that market. So uh, Joe and me have kind of been breaking that, we're, we're, we're sort of Hitting the wall with a lot of fists at the moment and hoping that we break it. Um, but yeah, it was such a such an honor to work with the wrestler. Um, and I grew up writing wrestling stuff, so I've got my uh, my three D character thing down. Because the one thing they teach us in wrestling uh, training when you're training to be a wrestling writer is you have to be able to answer why to everything. Yeah. So say you pick a rose for your your heroine. You have to be able to explain why you picked the rose out of all the other flowers. It's kind of a very interesting way of writing, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, you have. I have to have purpose to everything. Yep.
0: Yeah, and it's so weird because you have to be able to go into a room, and I'm I'm only five foot sort of two, sort of <laughs> pushing two. I'm not really all the way to two, but I'm just under five foot two, and I weigh maybe forty kilos. So, you know, I'm, I'm very light, very skinny, and usually I had very brightly dyed hair. And I would be going to a guy that's maybe 6'2", 200 or 300 pounds, and I've got to convince him not only to do what I'm suggesting, but then to also believe in the storyline, believe in the matches, believe in the promo, and hope that he doesn't think I've just butchered his character. <laughs> Which is harder than you think. People don't realize is You know, it's very intimidating. So I used to come across, like, they would come in with their really big character. And I would have my really, I had to have a big personality to match them. Yeah. That is so much energy for a night's work, honestly. But it did teach me a lot. And uh, one of the best teachers I ever had was a, was a guy called Scott, who everyone knows is Raven. Because he read one of my novels, and he went, you do realize you have a plot hole the size of an Arctic truck right there? <laughs> and I went, uh, I love you, Raven, but I really want to stick to this book somewhere the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> and he was like, okay. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but uh, he hates romance novels, which is so funny. Um, but yeah, he's he's been one of the best teachers I've ever had. And, and now... Talking to you, I can say that I've, I've had one of the best conversations with a romance writer possible, so oh. this could be a lot of fun. That's so
1: sweet. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. The wrestling, my uh, oldest stepson, he has got me into that. We have gone to wrestling matches, and we laugh because uh, I've got a thing for Roman Reigns. I don't know if you know. Oh, you know, yeah. So okay. Oh, no, okay. I do. Yeah, my yeah. cover art, fact sheets. See, there's been a couple times
0: where, okay, this guy is supposed to look like Roman Reigns. <laughs> Well, I can put you in touch with his agent and I'm sure they can work out something. um, (laughs) Because funnily enough, this is something that people don't actually realize is wrestlers love doing book covers. Oh. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Because it gives them a brand new audience to tap into. Yeah. Because you got to remember, is romance readers, stick around, right? Yeah. Because they could be the worst men going... And we would still love them because we believe in our hearts that they are redeemable. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's funny because I I kind of knew Rhino and I know Raven and I kind of know that lot, and it's it's just it's weird because I look at AEW and a lot of my friends are over there now. That's one for you to check out because if you want really good looking guys, that's the show. Oh, okay. I highly recommend Adam Cole and Hangman Adam Page. Because they are real cuties, but there is there's some really gorgeous wrestlers who would absolutely adore being on a book cover, but they just they don't know how to get into our world, and we don't know how to get into theirs. So it's kind of like that. That's another reason I want to do this is to break down the wall and say, hey, boys, there's a way in. Just talk to them. You know, we are just like we're just like you. We have to you know be these authors and be approachable, but you know it's a business for us too, and. Yeah, I mean, I know some of the, the wrestlers would just absolutely adore to be on book covers, really. Would, uh, w- and I can actually put you in touch with uh, a, res- a wrestling manager who sort of <laughs> organizes all those kind of things. So I will, once this is over, I'll pass you on his details um, and you just let him know Crystal sent you and you'll be, you'll be able to see what magic... Because, I mean, even some of the girls on the shows are stunning. yeah. But they're, like, absolutely normal, stunning. And we're seeing sort of an influx of Japanese wrestlers now who are gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And they have such funny personalities, too, that you kind of, you're laughing with them. You're not laughing at them, you're laughing with them. But you're also thinking, wow, this person's really interesting. Like, (laughs) you know, you've got one girl, she sings through her entire match.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that one, No.
0: So yeah, I mean you should you should tell your older son, let's 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 have a watch of AEW and see what it's like and, <laughs> and uh, I'll hook you I'll hook you up with the manager um because he actually runs the uh NWA which is a, a legendary old wrestling company. Um and he can uh, he can sort of help you go in that direction, of some really gorgeous boys. In fact, I believe he knows a Roman Reigns lookalike, alike. So there you go.
1: No, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'd be surprised what I know. know, uh, Being in the the wrestling business as long as I have, I've learned quite a few things. So let's dive into books. What is the book you've read most recently that stuck with you the most? Oh,
1: I have fallen for uh, Richard Asman's The Thursday Murder Club with the old I've heard so much about that. Oh, it is so funny. And then I read uh, the the last one I just read was his The Man Who Died Twice. And now I oh. see one's coming out in September and I can't wait to, to, to uh, that pre-order one. that and read that. Yeah, they're really neat. I, you know, I um, have always loved older people. I spent a lot of time yes. with my grandma. My dad's going to be 94 uh, in July and he is just so lively and that. That's what I like about that series. It's older people who, you know, are solving these murders and they're right in the yeah. thick of it, you know, and it's just they're fun. They're fun books. I free. love
0: that, too. I, it's funny you mention that. I have to um, recommend Marzi Taylor's Shetland series because it's set on a sailing boat. Oh. And it's, it's a woman who's sort of kind of later on in life and she's ends up involved with this detective, but it's such a good series because she's actually working out all these murders. Plus she's sailing a boat. (laughs) I mean, that's not like, that's not an unusual kind of thing. And she's a bestseller too, but she's not a very known bestseller outside the UK. So I recommend her. She was actually um, our last week's guest on the book and life podcast. And she was one of my mentors. Uh, when I was when I was a teenager. <clears throat> that makes her feel a little old, so I'm trying I'm trying not to let away you know how, how old I am. Um but no she was she was fantastic and she actually writes the books in Shetland and she sails a sailing boat so everything's sort of really realistic and things like that. Oh. And if you really want to go somewhere that's purely magical if you can actually spend a summer in Shetland, the light of the day never goes away so you hmm. never get nightfall it is a writer's paradise i'm telling you oh, you can bad. sit up you can sit up late and you can watch colors dancing in the sky and it's what they call the northern lights or okay. in shetland we call them the period Dancers, and it is so beautiful and I, I must admit any writer i've sent to shetland has gotten super addicted writing riding there during the summer there's quite a few that go back That's and it great. is it's a beautiful place and it's one of the best places because it's got fresh seafood fresh fish yeah. it's got the best sort of everything's home grown in the island so you, every vegetable milk everything is done on that island that they can in fact they have their own brand of whiskey beer vodka gin the only thing they don't do is wine but, oh,
1: oh, that would that would
0: be hard. <laughs> yeah, it would. Well, it's to do with the weather, temp, you know, oh. temperatures and stuff. Um, but they do, they actually own a Jamaican rum company in the Caribbean. And they ship that rum from the Caribbean to Shetland. And it is very hard to get. But you can get it in the States now. And it's called Stewart's Rum. And it does taste exactly like it is in the islands. Like what you would expect of the islands. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I think the boys that uh, run Stuart's strong will be sending me a message saying, thank you for <laughs> <We blank. laughs> But it is because it, it just tastes like the island and it's, oh, it yeah, totally, totally drags me away to a different world. I love it. I'm a bit like you though. I, I, I kind of like me. I like my wine too. So yeah. I'm, I'm dreaming of Napa Valley at some point. <laughs> Who do you wish that, um, If you had time to just sit and enjoy an author or a series, who would it be and why? Um,
1: Well, I I love Richard Osmond's. That's the ones I like if I have a minute that I'm not writing because I have a million deadlines right now. I was reading his. I want to reread the Bridgerton series, you know, because that's and I've read them all yep. before. But it's like I want to sit down and reread every single one now. And, is
0: uh, that because, is that because you're secretly gotten into the series and you're oh, like
1: oh. I, I liked the series beforehand and then yeah I, I have watched the Netflix yeah I missed missed those I, I can't think wait Netflix did Netflix. a
0: really good job on that one actually because mm-hmm. that's again a land production
1: yeah
0: and I think she does such a great job with it I don't think people realize just how good a job that they did with it so yeah no I'm with you you should check out Sanditon um on Acorn. <laughs> Because that's a really good series. What is it? It's all it's Sanditon. Okay. Uh, It was actually a Jane Austen series that she she never completed the novel. I don't think, Um, but this is a series based off that, and it's. I would say it's probably one of the best they've done since *Downton Abbey*. Oh, so yeah, I I really love love that. that one. Have you tried the Gilded Age yet? No, no. Nope. That one is an American show um, set in New York. Oh, oh, I've been meaning to watch that one. I didn't. Okay. Oh, yeah. It is fantastic. I loved every minute of that show because it's actually the producer of Downton Abbey that wrote it.
1: Oh, yeah. Julian Fellows. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I absolutely adore that series. He did oh, such I a good job. I thought
1: advertised it. and then I didn't. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch that.
0: It, I honestly think it's one of the best series that's come out this year, next to Bridgerton. Um, but he's very kind of, he doesn't sort of romanticize it too much. There is that element of threat that they have to be careful of society and how a uh, New York society is very divided at that time. There's the old New York society and the new New York society, or the new money, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, he balances it really well I was really, really impressed with it. To be honest with you, well, I did so, such yeah, a I can, great can, job with
1: Don't Nabby. I, I love Don't Nabby. I, I got oh, to, do to too. see the movie. I didn't go this week. The movie is fantastic,
0: from what I've heard. Because oh. um, I watched like some some of the tidbits that's coming out for it, and yeah, it's it's utterly amazing. Oh, um, i have to get to that. Have you watched The Anatomy of Scandal yet? That's on Netflix.
1: Because
0: the lassie that was in Downton Abbey is actually in that series. Okay. Oh, she does amazing in that series. She <laughs> really does. Uh, what, who was she in Downton Abbey? Who do you... Remember the oldest daughter in Downton yeah. Abbey? It's her that plays the lead. In oh, Michelle Dackery. Anatomy of Scandal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. She does such a phenomenal job. Honestly, I just oof, I adored her. I totally oh, adored her in that. I, I was, I was skeptical about trying it because everyone told me it was really good, and then I was like, because ah, I've got the book, yeah. and I'm like, should I read the book or should I watch it? Because like, <laughs> you, if you read the book, it's never the same. Yeah. So I was kind of like sitting on the fence, and then uh, what? My one of my last guests was like, no, 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 you really got to go watch it, and I did, and I was like, okay totally right on that one I'll give him that so (laughs) yeah I adored it is there an author past and present who's influenced you and it sort of to write and then is there an author past and present who's made you excited about reading books um
1: inspired me has been Nora Roberts I mean when I you know when I wrote all the time I started in high school and she was just her career was taken off then and she had all the books out, and, you know, I'm prolific, and it's like, you know, here's somebody who's doing it, and it's, you know, I love how she develops characters, and I love her dialogue, I, I love how real everybody is, and she just inspired me, you know, it's just, I love her books, and I love to see somebody who's prolific, and, you know, I've, I've mm-hmm. gone to conferences where she's spoken, and, you know, this is this is her job, you know. She she yeah, works exactly. hard in all those hours a day, and it's you know that's the kind of um, work ethic that I try to have. I do procrastinate when I shouldn't, but you know it's like I'm I try the to same. I'm the
0: same. Yeah. Hours.
1: <laughs> I try to spend as many hours in this chair as I can, just working as hard as I can to you know get but there my story there's
0: when your bum goes numb and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we gotta move. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Why did I sit here so long? Yeah, no, I, I I feel those feels. In fact, my husband said, you're probably better off riding in a, an armchair, Crystal, because uh, I have a tendency that I sit for too long, I get sore because of the afternoons. Yeah. So he got me a laptop in this like bamboo table that kind of like folds down. Oh, and he's just like, here, ride in the armchair so I don't have to listen to you moan about how sore your mum is. And I was like, no. <laughs> So it's a good tip. If you can get like a, a like a chair that's almost like an armchair, and you can slide it onto your desk, that's what I recommend because it's more comfy that way, and you get more writing done because you're not you're not kind of like moving around going "ooh, this sore." So, yeah, yeah I, I I have your feelings on that, but no, <laughs> she had a she's got a work ethic that I absolutely adore as well, mm-hmm. and she was I do not think that she. She kind of made it okay to be a prolific writer in more genres than one.
1: Yes, yes. I, so right. You know,
0: I-, I think that too, because the only other person that I know that wrote novels prolifically in more than one genre was Catherine Cookson. I don't know if you've heard of her. If that doesn't sound as familiar. Yeah, would- Catherine Cookson is a dame from the UK. She's one of the most best-selling writers from the UK she made her name in India funnily enough oh. and she wrote books like Tilly Trotter and The Moth and these are everyday people in that time period so you know you're going into a time period of maybe just after the war or during the war or before the war she can okay. she's captured that world perfectly but it's everyday people she's not she's not doing all the posh people and the rich people and because she was a servant she actually started her life as a servant in a house and she cleaned houses she picked up all of these amazing characters and she puts them in the books but she puts in the things that everyday people dealt with so she talks about I mean her books started coming out in the 90s early 90s and when you read hers, it's like she targets young, you know, sort of teenage pregnancy. She targeted racism. She targeted inequality. She was targeting things that we're only now seeing in a more mainstream market. So she ta- she was really big on sort of raising awareness for female domestics. Like, a, you know, the level of female violence that people endure. But she does it in such a way that the voice feels like you're, you're listening to the story of an everyday person. Mm. And her technique was she wrote exactly how she would talk. And that was how she made the readers connect and make it feel like she was reading a working class person. So I, hi- I always highly recommend her when people maybe haven't heard of her before. Because you get to almost slip into a totally different world. That you wouldn't otherwise get to see, and it's legitimate worlds in England that actually were there at the time period. Oh, so if you really like sort of the Downton Abbey's and the Bridgertons, yeah. I really recommend her. And she talk about prolific. I think if she was like around for a little bit longer, she'd probably be sort of challenging you for that hundred novel <laughs> title reign here. But yeah, I mean, I just finished getting her all her books. And I think half of my bookcase is just her. Wow. Oh. And she did um, a mental health awareness book called Hamilton. And this girl essentially creates this horse in her mind. And this horse would appear every time she was getting upset or she was anxious or she was stressed. And the horse makes it funny. So she oh. makes almost it almost easy to understand mental health because she makes it funny. And she makes she also had disability in that book and how people are treated with disabilities and how we're treated differently. She did such an amazing job bringing up issues, but without making it obvious that she was bringing up an issue. So she's one to check out and see if you. I will have to do that. Yeah. She's, I always recommend her to every major writer because you know, she's kind of disappearing now and I don't want everyone to forget her. Um, but yeah she's she's incredible she definitely inspired me she's my kick up the ass novel that I get I go and read when I feel too scared to write or feel really down on myself so what genre are you drawn to when you visit a bookshop or you're you're looking at books online um you know
1: I grew up like you
0: romance novels but i was
1: lucky my my mom and grandma just gave them to me i started reading
0: uh, you know when (laughs) i didn't have to sneak into the room and steal them at the sock drawer no they they let me
1: start reading them i was 11 years old reading
0: uh and they were the i was younger i was eight
1: (laughs) okay yeah and, and uh they were just you know i loved the you know started with the uh, I think it was Lucy Gordon that did the Outback. Uh, my mom loved Australia and the Outback romances, and I was I'm the the same. Darkness. I'm in the
0: Clyde Girls' fun, Yes, yes. <laughs> the
1: governors taking care of the widowed cad- cattleman's kids. You know, kids, and it was just, yep. I started reading those, and then um, switched over to uh, Silhouette Desire books. The you know they would be the cowboys or the you know business tycoon and i just i grew up reading those and uh just always wanted to write for them, and yeah that's where you
0: ended up yeah yep so (laughs) what made you switch over to crime i'm kind of curious about that um
1: well actually the first book the return of the lawman i did the romantic suspense line of harlequin it was harlequin intrigue Mm -hmm. is where i started so you know they romance and mystery so i love doing (laughs) that you know doing those and I just, I like writing different things. You know, I, I like having the variety. It keeps my mind sharp. I think it keeps my writing sharp to kind of switch around. I did, um, uh, they had uh, Silhouette Nocturne, Harlequin Nocturne books, and I did a Witch Hunt series. Yeah, uh, oh, I like the side of the Rich Hunt series. Yeah. Yeah. Those were some of my favorite books to write. And I did some vampires and just, you know. See, that's see the I want to
0: read this vampire one because you mentioned it before. <laughs> and I'm like, I bet you I can't get it now. <laughs> oh, I bet. I don't know. If you go on, uh, Harlem has
1: most of the, I think the backlist are on, um you know, you can get them on Kindle or. You can yeah, I'll have it.
0: to leave because mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. I was saying to my husband, I struggle reading on Kindle and I don't know if it's my dyslexia or what it is, but I find it's worse if I'm reading off the screen. So I tend to buy paperbacks, which is why my house looks like a public library. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, he's built more bookcases for me than he's than he ever did for any book when he was shop fitting. He's he built more bookcases for me than he's built shelves for shops. Um <laughs> Because he Why literally said, Crystal, if you, if you get any more bookcases, this literally will be a public library. <laughs> I think, isn't that how Nora Roberts met her second
1: husband? He She yeah. hired him to build bookshelves. <laughs> <was> exactly.
0: Like... <laughs> and I'm like, well, I just missed a step. You know, I got him on husband number one, you know. So uh, <laughs> no, but he's right. amazing. Like my man, he's like the total opposite of me. He drives motorcycles and he's Scottish through and through. He's got a... A really strong Glaswegian accent (laughs) and then there's me who's this five foot one girl from shetland but should have been born in the states because i love my shotguns and my pickup trucks and my horses (laughs) my dad goes you're never getting a pickup truck not ever because i I was always what i wanted i wanted my dad to buy a pickup truck just so that i could it would have been easier transporting all the the horse riding gear before I, Mm -hmm. i had my accident um, because I could have thrown the saddle in the back and everything at the back and it would just have been easier. Um, but now I can't ride because I had, as I was saying to you earlier, I had a jaw joint replacement surgery. so my second jaw joints and Ooh. I can't put a helmet on now. So oh. I can't ride anymore. So this fully qualified horse rider can't go back on horseback in the UK because in the UK you have to wear a helmet. Oh. But if I'm in the US, I don't. Yeah, So yeah, I'm going to have I- to come out to the US to ride. <laughs> My husband's like, You are not going on a horse without a chest protector and a helmet.
1: And I'm yeah, like, Man, we do that all the time. I mean, I grew up uh, just, I have friends just wait. We had horses, and you know, we just hop up on there. We didn't have any protection. And then the, exactly. horse, the horse I would ride all the time later went through a bakery window during a parade. My mom was like, You're Ooh. never going on that horse
0: again. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's crazy because I've come off so many times. Like, I, when you're learning to jump, you do come off. I mean, um. it's guaranteed you're going to come off. And my mom always worried about my ribs. So she made me wear this chest protector. And I swear it made it hurt more when you landed than if you didn't have it on. So I, um. I always had a helmet and a chest protector when I was jumping. But I'm not, yeah, I'm qualified to do jumping, dressage. Uh, I got invited to the international dressage classes um, in my area, which is the British um, dressage champion runs them. And I was so sad. I have never been able to go because I can't put a helmet on because um, wow. it puts pressure on my jaw joints for too long. So it was yeah. sad, but at least I can ride a bit of horses and, and I got to grow up with them. So hopefully, I keep saying to husband, like when I make it and I make it big, I will have horses for the kids and they can grow up with the horses and I can just enjoy watching them ride. And I can like work with them in the ring. Cause then I don't have to wear a helmet or, you know, be on horseback. And uh, he's like, no, we're not getting horses. We got two cats. You're lucky. You've got two cats. But we'll <laughs> see. We will see. I'm determined. So we'll see. I have one here.
1: You've probably heard her. Cause she's like a baby when she's quiet till I get on the phone or, or, you know, i yep. a meeting, and then she starts crying.
0: <laughs> I have two, um, and just before you came on, he came up here, and I'm like, you "Go bed." And I've sort of got him trained. So if I say bed, he does go and lie down. And it's he's got this sort of cushion on my sofa. And he's flattened <laughs> down into this perfect circle, and he sleeps there. And his brother sleeps on the other sofa because we have to have two sofas. Oh. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I love that she has to sleep lying next to you. My two yeah. don't want to sleep oh, yeah. anywhere near me. <laughs> they, they're, like, on the other side of the room, like, yeah, ma, we need peace. <laughs> oh, but no, she, no, I just love animals. She's my writing
1: buddy. She showed up, oh, she just showed up one day at my house, like, oh, 15 years ago, and she's been yeah. the best cat I ever had this feral cat came out
0: of the woods they make the best i swear because yeah. like our youngest um he was a kitten he was like less than three weeks old and they found him in the car engine oh and i rescued him from the rescue center because they, they phoned me and they said hi crystal just so you know uh we've got this kitten who was found in an engine block oh. and would you like to take him because he's very anxious he's Basically, he got separated from his mom and the other kittens, and he climbed into the car for heat, and I was like, oh no, what am I taking on here? And he he came with like a lot of skin warnings, and he came with a lot of oh. you know, possibility of having stomach issues and anxiety issues, and I already had an anxiety gap, and I thought, maybe it will like, level them out, you know, <laughs> with the anxiety thing. But honestly, the two of them fight all the time. <laughs> but they have these cute moments where I'll go through to the bedroom because they've managed to open the bedroom door and they're snuggled up in the the, the duvet together and they look too cute for me to move them. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> sod it. Well, here we go. I'll leave you two alone and then you'll keep me up all night. But hey-ho. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's her thing. Then she'll start crying in the middle of the night because she wants to play after she slept all day. <laughs>
0: yeah, or, or they... They want to sleep with you. Like, they're great. My cats will sleep with me. But if my husband's in bed, they walk up and down it, And then they play fight on him. And he's like, oh, for fucks. And he used to get up and he has to lock them out. And then yep. he comes back to bed. And then all we hear in the morning is, mama, love you. Repeated <laughs> on, like, replay. Because my, uh, my oldest, he was the only cat now. So he used to mimic me all the time. Oh. And I managed to teach him at the same mama. But because <laughs> I used to say I love you to Ian all the time, he picked up I love you and he strung them together. So I get greeted every morning with, mama, love you. <laughs> Aww, cool. So, yeah, I kind of, I always melt when that happens and I open the door a bit early and Ian, Ian growls at me. He's like, I was sleeping. <laughs> like, like, no, no. <laughs> Is there been a book that you've ever picked up and you just wished that you hadn't started it? I mean, I, you know, I am
1: limited with time. So there's some that I'm like, I've put down after I've started them, but it, you know, it hasn't been, I can't think of like any particular one lately, but it's just like, if it, if I didn't find the characters likable, like if the main character wasn't somebody I could, you know, root for, um, even like if they're, I like flawed characters, but if they're just like no redeeming character or you know quality features the yeah. character, those are the ones I'll put down. But you know, not not anybody, you know, in particular that I can, you know, not
0: not a writer I can think of that uh,
1: more. I wish of, you know, she's
0: never started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in situations where I picked up a book and I not bothered to read the back, which is a really bad habit of me because I forget to read the blurbs (laughs) and I get caught with books. Like I'll start reading them and I'll be like, wait, because I'll, I'll judge it by the cover and I know it's the worst (laughs) thing to do. I know it is. And I'll pick it up and I'll know the, I never do this unless I know the writer and I'll start reading the writer's work and then I'll usually stop myself and go What genre was this again because there's so many writers i pick up and i think okay they're just gonna write fantasy and then i realize oh actually no they're writing a thriller which is totally outside of what i'm expecting okay. um, because rachel kane did that to me she was a fantasy ya writer so i picked up her murder series and didn't realize oh crud that this was a murder mystery thriller and then i was like wait rachel you got me you got me <laughs> It's, it's, it's so sad because she's, she's I passed away but her work was it was so brilliant it really was
1: yeah her name sounds familiar I'm trying to think of uh, what uh,
0: was... Rachel Kane did the Morganville Vampire series she did Stormfront she did are um, Falls which is her murder mystery one or her it's murder mystery slash thriller because it's okay. got a whole load of levels to it um and she, th- I think the other one she did was um, Prince and I, which was a re, rewrite of Shakespeare's okay. Romeo and Juliet. And it it's it's really good. It's actually really well done. But she was again very prolific. All her series were quite long. Um, yeah. I just I love the way she was. She kind of put her voice onto paper. It was very much like you could flow with it easy. You could understand it very easily. Oh. I know what the other one was. It was the librarian series. It was a series about libraries that run the world and they've all the knowledge and all the books and books aren't printed anymore. They're all on these uh, Kindle kind of kind of things. And she's, she's weird. She actually put sort of physics into her work. Oh,
1: okay.
0: And I think that's a flashback to she worked in a nuclear plant. So oh. I think it was a... I think it was a kind of tie into that because on her way to work she would go to this cafe and she would write for I think it was like a couple hours before work and a couple hours after work and that's what she would do she would just go to the cafe stick a couple of headphones on and she would just write until she became a full-time writer and a lot of her ideas came from driving to and from conventions So she would drive through a place and then something would spark in her mind and she'd be like, Mm -hmm. oh, this would be a good series. And that was kind of how she did a lot of her work. So I always admire her for that. I just wish I would read more of her blurs before I pick up the book. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't get caught off guard as much. But yeah, anything she writes is brilliant. So i got to ask this question because we're going into the writing portion of this podcast. How did you go about creating the darker characters that we see in your storylines the ones that kind of keep the you know the hero and the heroine apart and you know the real mystery sometimes the villain of it or you know you where you probably know where I'm going with this but that sort of excitement I call it the excitement elements but people generally use it as darker elements
1: Yeah I go you know, into the dark elements I I You know, I have so much fun writing villains. Some of the villains, um, I just, uh, my last bodyguard sub series just concluded. And there was this, this, uh, very dangerous drug dealer kind of ruled this town and that he was, uh, going, you know, he was up for trial for murder and he was trying to get rid of everybody and get out of it. And he was actually just a real fun character to write and, um, you know, you kind of give them motivation too, just like, you know, your main characters have to have gold motivation and conflict. You know, the same thing of course, with yeah. the bad characters. If, you know, you give them that backstory of kind of what motivates them, what, you know. You know, and of course, I've also written the serial killers where there's, you know, they're just kind of evil to begin with. Um Exactly. A Keep lot starting time, yeah, if you give them, you know, you give them the backstory that explains how they got to this point. Nobody's ever been kind to them, you know, that kind of thing, or they're just always used to getting their way and being controlling. And then if somebody, you know, doesn't do what they want to do, um, that's the book I just finished writing. Uh, it's going to be the love inspired cold case. And that's kind of the thing with the, the villain in that book. He was just always used to getting his way. And when people don't give him what he wants, you know, things get ugly. So, um, you know, just that kind of, uh, my Bain Island series with Kensington, that's been a lot of fun because there's the oh. ongoing, you know, backstory line of uh, this psychiatric hospital was just this horrible place, you know, 50 years ago and uh, families would send their, you know, troubled daughters there and like, horrible things were done to him, their babies were taken. And the guy who runs the place who ran the place is like in his 90s, and he's still alive. And his grandsons have now redone the place um, into a, you know, this posh spa where people go, it's, you know, total, total wellness of the mind and body, and they're trying to do good things. And he's still there. And he's just, you know, even in his 90s, he's still pretty evil. And but it's yeah. kind of a fun evil, you know, and it's like, it's just, you know, you find the uh, writing different types of characters are just kind of fun and finding of what motivates them. And
0: So do you, do you kind of use music as a way of getting into that sort of frame of mind when you're writing, when you're switching from sort of doing a more lighthearted series to a darker one? Or do you go and watch something on the television to try and get you into that zone? Uh, I'm, uh, I
1: say less, you know, I'm an avid reader, but I don't read as much as I would like. I, I do a lot of, um, slow jogging on this trail (laughs) near near my house. And I just, that's like kind of where I plot and where I'm thinking and, you know, get out in nature and just fresh air and that gets my sinuses all going, but you know, just Oh, I know that feeling. Yes. I know that
0: feeling.
1: Yep, just I think that's. A, I think that's
0: a secret flaw to all of us writers. God <laughs> help us with the hay fever, with the
1: allergies, and yeah, yeah. But no, I'll just you know, and then it, it'll conversations that come to me, descriptions, you know, just that whole kind of, you know, I'll, it, it's you know, sometimes music inspires me. Like my first book, "The Return of the Lawman," is kind of based on the um the song that the night the lights went out in Georgia, you know, where somebody died in the jail cell years ago. And, you know, this whole kind of, he was kind of railroaded as guilty for something he didn't do. And, you know, that kind of inspired the story. And, um, it's funny because music music does does that for
0: every one of us. Like, I, I don't think I've met a writer that hasn't heard a song or gone to a concert and then come home with like an entire new book in their minds. Like, (laughs) I think, I think we can pick up story out of the air just walking mm-hmm. you know from our local shop to home yeah because our minds are always working i yeah. know for me if i go into my mind it's like a universe if i go down <laughs> one path i'm going into sort of one world and one set of stories and if i come out of there i can go down and it's like sometimes i get lost i don't get yeah. me wrong i will take the wrong path and i'll end up on a different series writing a different series than what <laughs> i should be writing um you know it's a hazard as a writer. <laughs> I know we all have that but um i actually plot more than i've ever done in my life so i do a lot of chapter breakdowns so i break down yeah. there every single chapter and the blah you know the verb is always there and i kind of work my way through it that way um and i did do that and then funnily enough my hubby put away one of my notebooks and he lost it and it had like sorry, 24 novels in it Oh no! So the, a lot of them have been picked recently and I have been trying my hardest to sort of pull that back and re-break that novel down into a different jotter. And I'm just like, I Ugh. keep looking at them sometimes like I want to strangle you <laughs> for losing that. Um, because it was, you know what it's like because you make notes in the columns and mm-hmm. they, they end up looking like jumbled messes. But that's our whole process of, of no. working through it. That's
1: kind of, I don't know what I do with my notebook. <laughs> I have, you know, like the notebook and I have notes in there and then I put stickies on top of the pages. So I know which notes are for
0: which book I'm working on.
1: And yeah, I you know, do I know I too. Totally I, that. I'm
0: super organized with writing, <laughs> but in my actual life, I'm very disorganized. <laughs> Like my husband's like, you've got a whole filing system for your emails, a whole filing system for your novels. How is it you're so disorganized in life? <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's not like I'm OCD with anything else. <laughs> so he he always thinks it's funny because like if I get into a really good book that I'm writing, do you do this? Do you forget things? Like I'll forget about the dishes or the washing or oh, yeah. I just totally get. And sometimes I forget to eat. I just totally get in the novel and Ian will be like because there's nights he's come home from, from driving the buses and he sort of shook my shoulder and I've, I've made it to bed I've done good, I've made it to bed and he'll be like have you been writing all day? and the reason he can tell is my hair is usually up in all these different directions because humidity is horrible from my hair I probably have a coffee stain somewhere because I've probably been drinking coffee and writing and the cats will look apparently starved. <laughs> they're not actually starved. They're just trying to do their dad out of food. Because I do remember to feed the cats. When I go for <laughs> a pee, I feed the cats and then I go back. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I, I get locked into these worlds and sometimes I just forget everything else. Do you have times like that where you just forget everything?
1: Oh, yeah. There will be times where it's like, okay, you know, like I'll have to do my bill paying like before I know I'm going to be sitting down to write because it's like, okay, I'm going to pay you early so we don't forget about you. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, yeah. Done oh, I've
0: done it. that with my editor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or she'll be like, uh, Crystal, we're halfway through this book. You've forgotten to do your payments. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, and then I have to go and, like, dig it out and try. Yeah, no, I've been there. been there a few times. <laughs> I had a beautiful orchid my husband bought me last year. And the cats managed to eat it. Oh. I had gotten so absorbed in a book, I didn't notice that the cats had chewed it to death. <laughs> I thought, oh, you know that where you're just like, I should have been paying attention.
1: I know. That's why I don't have plants because I would forget to water them. Definitely, it's like my my Mother's Day plants my daughters don't last that long be- <laughs> because it's like I I'll see everyone just boy. get
0: me cut flowers. They last longer because <laughs> yeah. I don't have to remember to water them. You know, I can just stick them in a vase. They sit on the, my fireplace, and then that way, if I forget them, at least, do you know what I mean? They're looking pretty, and they make the house look <laughs> a little bit more tidy than it actually is. So my <laughs> husband's like a hurricane when he comes in. Everything's yeah. just thrown off in every direction. And, <laughs> and then I look over at his seat, and he's got like a million tins of juice and bottles <laughs> of water. And hes he loves his models, like his, his 3D tabletop models, and he has them everywhere. And then I just <sighs> sort of think... I would have been safer staying in the book because that's a lot of tidying to do. <laughs> Wait, do I not have another novel to write? <laughs> I use that as an excuse when my mother-in-law comes around. I'm like, oh, I was writing. <laughs> well, she doesn't realize the mess. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I love it when other writers say that they get lost too because then I don't feel quite so lonely. <laughs> so what inspired you to enter particularly romance, the romance world with your writing voice rather than any other genre? Uh, it's like I, you know, growing
1: up reading the Harlequins, I just, that was what I wanted to write. You know, I just uh, loved. Harlequin got you. <laughs> yep. And the guarantee of the happy ending, the positive, you know, there's so much. It's like I I shudder to turn on the news. You know, I can't, it's like all that. I'm, you know, seeing everything happening in the world. It's like you really need that escape, you know, now so more you, than you ever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you
0: do. Yeah, yeah. you do
1: having that being able to pick up a romance novel and it, i'm going to get a happy ending you know they may have go through a lot of uh drama before they get there but you know they're you know when you yeah, set that look that. down you're happy because they got there happily ever after and that just uh you know i've had you know readers Tell me, you know, this horrible thing happened in my life. But for a while, because of your book, I escaped. And that was, you know, that's like the, the, the best. I will confidence. definitely
0: be taking your books into the hospital because I, i made the mistake of taking arcs in that I've never read the writer oh. before. Right. You know, this, there's a story before I say it. Um, I took in Fiona Cummings, um, The Collector, which was one of her really creepy serial killer novels. Yeah and of course i didn't read the Blair as chisel does and i started reading it and the serial killers the janitor in the hospital oh no, oh no. to say that i had a very interesting trip into the hospital that time would have been the understatement i i jumped awake anytime anyone came near me i was totally watching the janitor and giving the stink eyes to say don't come near me um and I even said that to her, so it made me forget about why I was in, but at the same time, I think the Janitor thought I was maybe a bit creepy by the end. <laughs> but I do that. Like, I'll take in a Rachel Kane or I'll take in something I know that I'm going to enjoy. And I will read their work while I'm in because it makes me forget. And particularly last year, reading was my escape because I spent most of last year in the hospital. And you know, when I was stuck in, I was the only patient reading in ICU. I was the only person awake in ICU as well. So, Um, so yeah, I would sit with the, uh, with my book and I would just sort of read. Um, In fact, there was no nightlights in uh, HDU at the time. So they actually went and they got, they turned on the light for the, what would have been the bed next to me so that I could actually read. And then they tucked me in like, So that I had my back to it so it dropped right on my book so I could read. Um, Which I was so grateful for. Because when I went to high dependency, they wouldn't give me my glasses so I couldn't see anything. (laughs) And I couldn't talk so I had to keep making the symbol for, for glasses. And bless them. They had no clue what I was talking about. And then my husband came in and he's like, give her her glasses for goodness sake. That's what she's trying to tell you. And I was like, thank goodness for my husband. But bless him, he did bring me a hardback. back. Now, everyone knows the new Twilight book came out last year. And my yeah. husband brought me the new Twilight book, which is a huge, huge thousand-odd page book. Uh-huh. And of course, I'm, I've got lines coming in and out my arms, and I've got wires connected mm. everywhere. And he gives me that book to read. Of all, I had three novels in my bag he could have choose from and he picked the <laughs> biggest heaviest book and I was like really <laughs> but I you know it got me through and it, it was a really great distraction and uh, I must admit I understand like why people need novels now more than ever and I think mm-hmm. I don't think the end of escaping into books has kind of come I think we'll be doing a, a lot more in the future especially with everything that's happening in the world um more now than ever and i Mm -hmm. I think you know the better the novel the better the experience for for people anyway so yeah no i i I loved your answer it was was Mm -hmm. great so when you write your books is it a movie in your head or is it like a jigsaw puzzle that you need to put together you know it depends on
1: the book a lot of times probably more like movie um sometimes with uh, the mysteries, especially, it winds up being a jigsaw puzzle, or like, I'll feel like I'm quilting sometimes, which I'm not a very crafty person, but, you know, I'll have all these threads, these dangling threads, and then, you know, like to get to tie them up at the end, and sometimes I didn't even realize I started this thread, and then I'll, I'll be wrapping it up, and I'll be like, oh, that's why I wrote that in that beginning part, and You know, showed this scene. You know, and it's like, oh, it all you know comes together. And so, some of it, it it almost feels you know like subconsciously you're doing, you're laying some of this groundwork. You know, so that's the jigsaw puzzle ones where it's like, oh, that's where that piece fits now. You know,
0: of course, yeah. Have you ever had an editor say, "Hey, you forgot the thread"? Um, no so much i'm
1: trying to think nope that's not been usually it's the you know the editors will you know you got to keep the conflict going between the characters and i think that's a lot of um mistakes writers make you know of course people yeah. trying to break into harlequin it's like they don't give the reason, you know, why are, why aren't they just in love on page one? You know, they've got to have their conflict and it's got to be big enough to to keep them apart, you know, for most of the book. And it's like, with me, you know, I can have a killer keeping them apart, but there should be something to their personalities, some reason why they're reluctant to fall in love or reluctant to trust this person you know they got to have their inner conflict too so that would be the thing I've had um you know where it's like okay you've got the killer keeping them apart but but what else you know what else is uh yeah
0: exactly Mm -hmm. for I always think it's funny because I write so much conflict and I have so much meat sometimes the editors say to me you gotta thin it down a bit you got to keep keep some for the next one.
1: That, that's usually
0: where I kind of fall flat on my face is like I give it too much rather than and than having uh too little conflict. So uh that's usually where where I kind of stub my toe. Which character has stayed with you the most or the longest in your writing career so far? Oh, um I would say because I have this bodyguard
1: series that I started. I started in Harlequin Intrigue. There, they, it shows that there's thirteen in the series. There's thirteen with um, Harlequin Romantic Suspense. But I wrote, um, yeah, I there were seven before that that were in Intrigue. Oh, wow. And uh, Penny Payne Lynch is the mom of the the original bodyguards, and she's just this tough lady who lost her husband um, when at the oldest boys were 15 and she raised the kids on her own, but she has this positive attitude. She's one of the characters that has stayed with me. I was real close to my mom and she just kind of has that personality that, you know, nurturing, take care of everybody, has a little bit of a sixth sense of, you know, she always knows when one of her kids is in danger, kind of adopts all the kids, all the, the, you know, each brother starts his own branch of the bodyguard business. And she, uh, you know, adopts their workers like they're her kids, and it, she just, she's of a character who yeah. stuck with me. Um, the Bane Island series, I love the creepy grandfather. James Bains, Bainsworth is like one of my favorite characters because, yeah. uh, you know, it's it, he's just that creepy, manipulative. He's fun, fun to write. And then uh, in my Bachelor Cowboy series, I've been, I've got Sadie Haven is the, Grandmother, great grandmother, to these little orphan boys, and she is very determined to make everybody find their life partner. And she's just this matchmaker, and she's she's a real fun character too.
0: I like the sound of that. Yeah, I I'm I'm weird because (laughs) I I love a lot of my characters. Like I have a character called Harold, who sadly has not left me yet because oh. he is throughout the entire Marie's World Series oh. and he's got probably the biggest book I've ever written because I'm still writing it from time to time. Oh. And he will pop up out of nowhere and he'll annoy the living daylights out of him. <laughs> So that's my longest card. And it doesn't matter what I'm writing, I can be writing something totally unrelated to him. No wrestling at all. And then all of a sudden, he will appear and I will be like, fine, I'll spend five minutes making notes on this. And then you need to go (laughs) away. You know that kind of way where you're like, so yeah, he's, he's my one where I'm just like, I wish he would just shut up. (laughs) But um, I love him to bits. And he's, he's actually based off of one of my friends. And I, I just really like him. And I think all of us need one of those characters that just kind of keeps us writing. Yeah. I think he's definitely one of these ones that I can safely say, yeah, he keeps he keeps me writing. He keeps me interested in writing, if nothing else. Well, I still want to kill him on a day-to-day basis. But yeah. You, yeah.
1: You sound like me with the, the notebooks of ideas and books you want to get to and write. And that's, you know, I have that too. I have my list of, okay, when I have time, I'll, I'll, I'll write your story, I promise, you know, and then um, I have yeah,
0: I'm just bad. four years later, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: like I'll, I'll get to you, but yeah, I know those characters that are like, okay, it's my turn. I want my story
0: told. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they just—he is—he's like this um, super kind of arrogant character. Like he's the sort of person that would say, "Well, what about me? Yeah. What about me? <laughs> Don't forget about me." That kind of ones, and I just. Uh, I just get so super annoyed with him, but I, I love him at the same time and I'm just like Fine, I'm coming, I will make notes, but I will not like sit and write it. And I think I've got like two A4 pads of paper that um is just full of his story and different different parts that he's been involved in and um he really he's such a he's such a villainish character, but He's really adorable, too, because there's so much of him that people love because he doesn't do anything that isn't for a particular reason. Yeah. And I think that's why I keep almost letting him take over my reading or my <laughs> my writing, because I think to myself, okay, fine. He's got point. I need to give him, I need to give him <laughs> like a chance here. Like a chance, just a chance. Write write down whatever it is he's wanting me to write down. Um it is funny because occasionally the person that I wrote him on will actually write to me and say, Hey, um, how how's how's that character that you, you based on me going? Like just just randomly, just you know, to, just to see how I'm getting and I go, Oh my gosh. Like I, I just get this reminder of, yep. Yep, yeah, this is definitely the guy I based him on. I love the guy I based him on to bits, but yeah, he does drive me drives me a little insane, just a little bit, just 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 a little bit. But um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think uh, so. I, yeah, I, I like getting lost in my i get lo- I get lost in a lot of my characters, uh, and then you know, particularly if I'm having a having a hard time with one of them, I will I will start talking to my husband about him as if he's a real person. And my husband will be like. Wait, is this a person or a character, Crystal? you will be like, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> and then I have to admit that it's a character. I'm talking about, and he's like, I don't care; it's not a real person. Uh, is there a character that you wish you could write
1: more about? That I could write more about? Hmm. Oh, I'm trying to think. There's, there's been, um. I've had some characters, like I've had, uh, I wrote um, the bounty hunter's baby surprise for Harlequin Romance, um, Romantic Suspense, some years ago now, and I've been getting letters uh, from people who are just reading that. I don't know if it got reprinted. I get a lot of, you know, Milton Boone copies, things come out later, different places, and people are asking for, there were some um, other bounty hunters in the book that were competitive with him, and people are asking for their stories. So it's like, yeah, I wish I could go back and write their stories. Um, I oh, had the right witch hunt series. I had a, a sister that had disappeared and for years. Everybody was Ooh. like, okay, what happened to Maria? And I, I was able to tell her story and get that one published, but it was one that it took a few years before her story came out. And it was like, oh, Finally,
0: I get to the. Here it is. (laughs) Here's Yeah, I know. I know that feeling. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I've done five of the Marie's World series, and I get I get asked every so often, "Oh, when's the next one coming out?" Because every one of the characters is their own stand, like a little bit of a standalone novel. So you get to learn about their backstory, and because I think they were done at the beginning of my career, there's a lot of info dumping that goes on. And I think my writing's kind of grown and pro- progressing. So when I when I do the new one, I'm almost terrified that they won't love it as much because the writing is completely different to how book one is. So I have that kind of, I had that worry. But I wish I had more time to sit and write the, the the kind of the end of the Marie's World series. But I'm actually so caught up in writing material now that I might actually get into a mainstream publisher <laughs> that I just don't have that time to go back and work on it. But I keep promising Joe that I will, and I mm-hmm. I will find time to go back and write on it. Mm-hmm. So what techniques have you found the most helpful, and is there one that you wish you hadn't tried? Techniques? Um, I think yes. the thing that has
1: helped me be the most prolific is I think what you were saying um, with the outlining, with the chapters, yes. and I'll yeah. outline... The scenes in the chapters and some of my outlines, you know, including dialogue, this and that. And it's like, because I have so much writing to do and, you know, I used to work full
0: time, raise kids and, um, you know. I'm about to start having kids. So I'm I'm a bit worried myself as a writer. I'm like, oh, um, because I know that. It's nice
1: to get books done. So having that outline and knowing when I sat down, this is what I was going to write, that was hugely helpful to keep me on target for getting word count and getting the books done' Because, um, see that's
0: that's that's how I do my <laughs> That's just a scribbled um scribbled yeah. mess at the moment, but yeah, I get your I get your point. and I know mm-hmm. the the viewers can't see this because uh, it's only an audio based <laughs> podcast, but um I literally had shown an a four piece of paper with bullet points. Uh, things that I need to cover, and then I've got one, two, three, four for in mm-hmm. the scene that, that are must uh, must remember. So I get, right. I mean, I don't think I just started doing that unless I branched it screenwriting. I think when I branched it screenwriting five years ago, I was like, oh, this is an entirely different world. And it did teach me more about plotting, mm-hmm. and it taught me more about what they call beats i don't know if you use that either um but i didn't know anything about beats before like every story has a beat so instead of it being just the you know what they call the three stages of when you have the start the middle and the end this was more about the beats of the thing so this is how you keep your conflict going and this is how Mm -hmm. you keep the romantic elements going and this is the beats were really important, and of course I had no idea what beats were, and I had to learn more about plotting and planning and stuff, and that's why when I meet someone like you who has that, because you guys haven't seen this, her organization skills, with the, the sticky notes and everything else is really amazing, um, but yeah, like, oh you're cat. the first. I didn't see my cat. And <laughs> the cat, of course, yeah, but it's, it's really helpful because you you do get lost in this kind of whirlwind writing. And then when you hit the wall, because we all hit walls at some Mm -hmm. point, that's what saves us is the bullet points and the sticky Mm -hmm. notes and the little scribbles in the corners. Because I don't know about you, but I have seen myself start pulling my hair out, walking around the house going, why can't I figure this part out? And my husband's like, didn't you just plot all this like two weeks ago? Where's your notebook?
1: But you know, there's something. That sometimes it's like you'll have I'll, with me, anyways. I'll have written something, and it's like I can't move forward because it wasn't right, it wasn't in character, or something. And a lot of times, yep. that's when I'll do my little jog, and I'll be like, Oh, I got, I got to delete that. And you hate doing that, but it's like, oh, everyone does, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's like it doesn't work; it's not not the right thing. So, yeah, I totally get that where you have to figure out okay where where did I go off the rails here
0: (laughs) I always get accused of being too wordy as well like I I don't have that problem in screenwriting because you don't have a lot of space in screenwriting but particularly when I do my novels I tend to be classed as too wordy like I will go into he thought or he expressed or he tried or and I get told off by my editor. she's like there's that four again, you know, or there's that thinking again. And she gets really turned with me about it. And I'm like, sorry. Because I get, I'm trying so desperately hard to sometimes avoid using a word mm-hmm. that I end up being more wordy than I should have been. Because it's, and I swear it's a dyslexia, because you kind of get tied up in a knot in your head almost. So, yeah, that's that's one of my things where, it's one of the techniques I had to learn not to get in my own head too much. So going into your life, this is the part that everyone finds extremely exciting. So we're going into your life. What is the first thing that you do when you want to de stress from editing and writing? Uh, would be the jogging. Um
1: yeah, you know, my husband and I will go for long walks. A lot of times he, he really loves plotting with me and he'll he oh, loves cool. that like stage of it and you know I'll yeah. tell him and he'll suggest something and he thinks a lot of times it gets into the book, but it doesn't. But that's another story.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> they all think actually... that. They all think that. Yeah, my husband's the same. Yeah. If, I, if I'm plotting something, I'll start texting him and he'll be like, ah, oh, you and the are good. Or we'll have conversations about things like I'll say, if I blew up a motorbike, how would I do it? Be like, First of all, why are you blowing up a bike? And then I would get <laughs> smacked up the side of the head. Don't mm. think that and d- never do that again. <laughs> and then you'll come with the answer to the question. But we have that kind of back and forth fun with each other, I think, with <laughs> plotten. So sl- I get that too. Um, but for me, I can't distress I cannot de-stress from writing if I don't walk away from it entirely. So I will go I can't even go and read a book now because I'm almost like still in that writer's mind. So I go away and I sew or I use the sewing machine, which my mother in law keeps having to fix. Um, but I'll go away and I'll do something totally crafty that's still creative but gets me out of my head. And then that way I de-stress enough that I can go back into writing later and sometimes get over the hump of whatever it is that I'm stuck on. So that's that for me is a super important thing um, to do. But I don't know if maybe... Um that was you know i I wasn't sure if that was something all authors did or if it was just me so
1: a a lot of authors are crafty, and I used to crochet and all that, but now it's like with all the typing, my hands are get so stiff, I can't do the crocheting like I used to um my husband and I we do a lot of house projects, I mean we're always like this this weekend we redid we our fireplace wall, and you know so there we do a lot of I do a lot of stuff like that where we're always you know house project that so it's creative but yeah non-working or non-writing related so
0: that would probably be the
1: yep
0: yeah no I, I like that so what hobbies uh do you wish that you could enjoy or ones that you would like to explore if you had the time
1: um I wish I were craftier. I wish I could sew. I need to replace the zipper on my youngest son's coat. And it's like, I have no idea how to, how to run a sewing machine or anything. That's like a that. sewing so,
0: machine job. Yeah. You can't do that yeah. with my hands. Or you'll kill your yeah. fingers. Yeah. I would, uh, that
1: would be a, um, you know, a skill I would like to have. I, you know, used to do a lot of painting and um, um, chalk painting. Art when I was younger and it's like I would like to get back into that too
0: yeah and I think it gives us almost like a, a detachment as well I think it clears mm-hmm. clears the backlog of the, the brain and lets us move forward and I know like I'm a paint by numbers girl I cannot no. paint from scratch I am terrible um, so I might go and do my like diamond painting of a picture that I've ordered or I'll do paint by numbers because I actually painted my wedding photograph um, oh by numbers the other day it was, it was really nice it was really kind of sort of therapeutic um and it made my husband quite happy because he looks really good in it not so much but that you know that's the way it goes um but yeah I get what you mean and about it, especially with lockdown and everything you can feel like all that you're doing is working yeah. and you're not getting a break especially authors because we are home-based mm-hmm. I think a lot of people got that necessarily break because they were not in their offices but they forget our offices wherever our computer is so yeah i i understand that i had to i had to put almost like a limit if i go to bed with the computer i'm not writing i cannot write i have to be watching something and sewing so i take <laughs> so i almost break my day up so it's not like a constant yeah you know, writing situation um but my husband still thinks i absolutely writing crazy so (laughs) so i i guess you just answered this question but i'll ask it anyway do you think you're somebody that likes crafts and if not what is the other creative ways that you clear your mind?
1: Um, the crafting, yeah, it's not, not really me. I wish I was, my, my daughter is always coming up with the coolest stuff she, you know, finds on Pinterest and makes these cool wreaths and all this crafty stuff. And it's like, no, I'm not really that, um, not that crafty, but yeah, I, I wish I could do more of those things, but then yeah, I'll do the house projects like to paint, uh, you know, transform stuff that way, make the space, you know. A little paint can make a huge difference in a house. It's just kind of fun doing that stuff, replacing cabinet door handles, you know, little things.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. I I love doing that too. But my husband, uh, you know, he was a joiner and he's now, you know, with the buses. We just don't have as much time to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I kind of miss those things as well. I must admit, Mm -hmm. even though he reckons it takes me like a year to paint a wall where it only takes him like 15 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> I like getting all the little nooks and you know crannies and I've yep. done like a quarter of the wall and he's done like half the other wall you know so, <laughs> Yeah, he always used to tease me constantly about that. <laughs> now my, my my listeners and my uh my followers all know that I have a long-term illness that makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What makes you smell like slow down and appreciate the day and smell the roses? Um I
1: love, you know, I, I love spending time with my family. Um, you know, my husband and I, the walks, just talking, you know, talking about our day. I enjoy that. Uh, talking to my friends, just, you know, hearing about other people. I spend uh, a lot of time with my dad. He's going to be 94 in July and he's, I got to track him down to spend time with him because he's always on the go. Um, you know, just that family, I think, is the, the you know greatest joy in my life being i able think to we spend all appreciate our family.
0: families more now especially with covid and
1: mm-hmm. and everything
0: it's given us a sense of life is is about the things that we have in it not material things not about the hours we're putting in at the office it's it's more we're more appreciative of things i think again but yeah. I, i'm sad that it's taken a pandemic to make everyone slow down and enjoy things um but yeah, I, and I'm seeing a lot more families together than I ever saw before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so you, you know, maybe maybe there's some good that's come out of this pandemic, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, hey, look, try and find the positive in everything. That's that's how I, I like, do. I, I try
0: because my life has been yeah. like such a fight. Um, that I have to kind of find that positive to keep me going. I don't think I would end up curled up in the ball crying. Someday.
1: Yeah, no, what's you're your... an inspiration.
0: <laughs> I try. <laughs> I don't always make it there, but I try. So what's your favorite place to curl up during the day? Do you like the garden? Are you do you have a conservatory? Is there a reader's nuke or a cafe? Um, I am a
1: homebody, so you know, if it's if it's cold and rainy, it would be our couch in front of the fireplace. If oh, it's... I love that. Yeah, if it's sunny and nice, we do have a a four-season room that's just full of sunshine, and it's usually where my kitty cat is laying in the sun, (laughs) Um, you know, when we're not in here writing, because she she spends, if I'm in the office, she's in here. She sometimes beats me here in the morning, like, okay, where are you? You you need to get busy. You have deadlines. Yeah,
0: like, you're late. That's your (laughs) boss. Your cat is your boss, I think. She really is. I know mine's is like that. I mean, he he comes up to me, and if I'm late getting up in the morning, he's there at the door, <laughs> and I can almost hear the paw tapping on the floor, like... <clears <Yeah>.
1: <clears <throat> Dang, it's, it's like they have a little, little watch on their paw, you know, like, okay, it's yep.
0: time. <laughs> well, it's funny, because he's always been like that, and I think it's because he watches the sun. The only problem is when we switch to winter, because then he gets his clock confused, <laughs> and he expects to be fed more, because it's winter. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, he he kicks me right, and I, I've had so many laughs with that cat, it's ridiculous. There's so many times I want to strangle him, though. <laughs> FYI, Bob. Um, so now we're going on to the game everybody either dreads or loves, and that is the word game. And I gave you the theme of a traditional cafe kind of sweet shop as your word game, choices. Okay. I don't know if you picked up on that when you read the words.
1: I, You know, I, I looked at it and I thought, I'm going to wing it and just be spontaneous with that. And
0: <laughs> It's funny because I, I, when I look at my guest and I research my guest, I try and come up with scenarios that I could imagine them in. And for me, I could just see you in this lovely high-end cafe with all these cream cakes and English fancies and coffee and stuff and I thought yeah that that would be a Lisa tea event. you know that's where you have the fancy hat and the nice dresses and you go in there looking like a million bucks because that's how she does it you know that to me was my my secret impression of you when I was researching so uh, you get you get to know a little bit how my mind works. It's strange, I know. So <laughs> okay, our first word you. is sweets.
1: So sweets, uh, cinnamon roll. If I have to, Ooh. we're just doing
0: yeah. I like those the best. I do. Those are my favorites. Okay, what about coffee?
1: Like it black with a little nutmeg
0: in it. Ooh. That's a good choice. A good recipe too. I will, I will have to hook you up with um, a coffee friend of mine who <laughs> designed a coffee around another author's book, and they did that because the character came into their cafe. So that's that's, that's cool. a little sneaky something that I can send you later. <laughs> Sticky buns.
1: Oh man, that yeah, like the pecans with the. That's what I think the pecans and the caramel
0: sauce. Yes. Yes. The ones that you just sort of like you bite into and then it's all over your face and your fingers yep. and you stick to everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that a lot. I nothing that I eat ends up clean. I end up looking like I got <laughs> pulled through a head backwards. It's is awful. <laughs> what about donuts? Uh donuts, eclairs. Got oh, yes, I like a good eclair. Yeah.
1: Chocolate on the top in the the. Bavarian if you make it to
0: Scotland, I will take you to this beautiful cafe where the eclairs is like a foot long. Oh. They are they are to be held the size of these eclairs, but I am told because I cannot eat a full one, my husband takes half and I take half, and it's the All only right. way we can eat it. But they are a foot long. They are super worth it, and you get to visit Starling Castle too. Oh, yeah! Is an exception to get over visit. there, yeah. Um, I will introduce you to a couple of conferences that you can uh maybe suggest to your oh. to your um publishers. You need to attend.
1: <laughs> yeah, let me know. That would be super fun.
0: <laughs> what about cheesecake? Oh, uh,
1: just New York style cheesecake. Uh, That's my favorite thing to do is go to New York City and get that great big dense. Oh, it's just so good just i don't even need the strawberries on top although sometimes they are nice but just the plain cheesecake
0: (laughs) oh yeah there's this cheesecake in scotland and it is renowned cheesecake and it's made on a small island called orkney and it has literally the best cheesecake you'll ever taste like i would say this might even challenge new york it's Mm -hmm. that good it's called the Orkney Fudge Cheesecake and it is oh I will I will send you the recipe for you to oh, try yeah, it. That, that but it is good. it is delicious. It's probably the best I've ever had. And I've had New York cheesecake and I was like, nope, does not huh? match up to the good old Orkney cheesecake. <laughs> what about rolls, like bread rolls?
1: Oh, I like the yeast ones. Um the, they're super I just made them for Easter you know the I I make them out of a bag that comes out of the freezer and make them quickly but yeah with butter
0: melting in them
1: yeah
0: I'm terrible because I'm I used to bake all the time I I can't in my new house but in my old house I used to bake constantly and I would have fresh baked what they call hard crispy rolls which Um. are like they look burnt on the outside but when you open them up they're all fluffy Um, those are my husband's favorite rolls and he kind of misses that I don't do that anymore but um, now that I'm sort of getting the house to where it's livable I think that's something I will be starting up again and it's such a favorite of his (laughs) so uh, the last but not least is bread I always think freshly baked bread when I think when I write that
1: yeah, bread, I, I like, um, we have Costco's over here. I don't know if you guys have those. And they do the cinnamon loaf, like cinnamon strudel bread. Right. It's yeah. so yeah. good. And that from the toaster with fresh butter on it is like,
0: yes. <laughs> you should try the four cheeses bread that they do here. It's so different. It's almost like having a slice of pizza, but with some butter on it in the morning. Yeah. It is completely different. I will, s- if I find the recipe sheet again, I will send it to you because it's really different and it's made with actual cheese. So you almost oh. get that like melty, warm goodness because it keeps um. like the bread actually moist. Um, I used to do a lot of like herbal, bre- like hair herb breads for my family. So like garlic bread. Um, I used to do rosemary and thyme breads and things Ooh. like that because my mom went through a huge um, stage because she was a chef, making all these different kinds of breads. Um, and then I started doing it for my in-laws, and they were like, "No, please stop!" Because <laughs> I actually, uh, I I went through a baking spell where I I overbaked and people ended up with like thirty cupcakes, thirty muffins, all these fresh baked rolls and breads, and they were like, too much. So I haven't I done do. it in a long time, but I, I, I definitely have to get back to it.
1: Um, that is when I, I do like to bake. That is uh, probably, I'm not so crafty, but I do love baking,
0: so. It's weird because when I bake, I don't usually follow a recipe. Like, I'll read recipes and stuff, um, but, like, I just sort of bake by kind of eye, if that makes sense. No, um, I do. Yeah, I do that, too. My my dad's
1: some my grandma was like that and you know the only problem is then it, it's never quite the same i'll have to like make notes and like something so right, yeah. what i did
0: last time cuz it's never quite i the made same. these um, these brownies once for my mom and i've never been able to make them the same again <laughs> yeah. i don't know what it was like i don't know what i wrote i don't i i'm desperately sure i didn't write it down i know um, <laughs> and I have I I can do it off memory But I can never remember how, Like I when it comes to writing it down I forget every single time mm-hmm. And she's like you're going to have to write it down For me for me one of these days so I'm like mom I just can't I have to do it by eye <laughs> She's like well you're just going to Get your daughter when you have a daughter You know to write it down And I'm thinking oh jeez uh, I have to pass this trick on do I <laughs> <laughs> But yeah like So growing up with her as a chef, I kind of ended up cooking really young. She was one of these people that was like, you're not going to be one of these kids that doesn't know how to cook Mm -hmm. or do the washing or iron or sew. So I kind of really got the housewife education while growing up, Um, which sounds nice and interesting, but really not so much because my (laughs) my grandmother was very... um, focused on that kind of thing and she wanted me to be the perfect housewife and the you know that was going to be my um my job in life and uh, of course me I ended up being a writer instead so (laughs) totally totally didn't go to plan um but you know there, there you go yeah, my
1: mom was an avid reader, so like the housework would just, you know, the laundry would pile up because she had to finish that book, and she would stay up all night reading. So that's
0: kind of my background. See, of growing I, up. I wish my mom had done that. I think I think I would have learned a little bit more from her. But I it took me longer to get into reading because I struggled with the dyslexia for so long. Yeah,
1: that would be and tough.
0: It was I, you know, it it took a long time, but. When I finally got there, and I realized my mom had it too, it was almost like I helped her get better while I got better myself. Um, and that's, like, a lot of the reason she went into her education and stuff now was because I really kind of kept dressing. and I'm like, oh, I'm sure you can do it. And, like, I never kind of let her make excuses or back out of it. Um, and that's why we had a really close relationship until I was, like, 16, I think. And then I kind of went, you know, crazy teen way. Um, as every kid does, and, you know, we're still kind of getting back to that time where we were close. But, yeah, I mean, I used to, to, I used to do a lot of the chores with her, because uh, my brother was super lazy and never did anything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, I used to get five pounds from my mom to clean his room. Because there was no way you could get into his room sometimes. Like, you'd push the door open, and they'd just be washing from the front door to the wall. Yeah. the room was that bad, the dog wouldn't even lie in the doorway like, <laughs> So, yeah I used to get the five pound uh, Five pound oh, note yeah. handed to me And told, right, go in, clean your Clean your brother's room And I'd be like, do I have to? And she'd be like, yes <laughs> And i like, oh, right, okay And it, it kind of kept Everything, you know, from going into World War yeah. sort of mode Because my mom was a very, very emotionally jerky person so if, yeah, I learned. Uh, I learned very quickly that uh, doing the tidying and the laundry and stuff was a good way of stopping World War Three from breaking out. So. <laughs> Peacekeeper became also my um, my title, I think, in the house. But yeah, I get it. Well, it's been really lovely to have you on, and I really hope that your um, your publisher will have you on again when you have a new release coming out. We certainly have always going to have space for you. Um, So you just give me an email when you've got a new release coming out, and we will book you in and uh, have you back, and we'll talk more in detail about whatever book's coming out or or what one's come out if if it comes out before we can get you on. And uh, we will certainly have fun. You're you're going to be part of the Book in Life family you so much. This has been
1: fun and yeah, I will definitely want to come back and talk
0: some more. Yeah, and that's the good thing about this program; It really is just designed to be a cup of coffee between friends. <laughs> Only we have probably a billion listeners who are being flies on the wall uh, that we're currently ignoring. <laughs> but it's good fun and, and you know, like people I said, you know, if you get me on Twitter you can always send me questions and then when people come back on then I've got questions from the listeners and viewers and I always always try to encourage that but we've we've not gotten to that stage just yet but it's still fun so I like it. <laughs> so that's been the show for this week guys. You're gonna need to come back next week because of the guest we've got Ooh, I was not expecting to have. So with that being said, I shall see y'all next time. <laughs>